Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And my guest today is Jared Hummel. Jared, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kevin. I really appreciate it. We've actually had a really interesting pre-chat before we hit the record button and it had nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today. So we've already been talking sports. So we've got a, got a kindred spirit here on the mic with me. But Jared, share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. Yeah, I, I guess in that vein, uh, you know, I'm from Minnesota, the Twin Cities area. And so uh, Minnesota is kind of known as the state of hockey and uh, you know, a lot, even as we talk about business and startups and all of that, uh, you know, I always say it really starts with the lessons I learned, you know, being on, on hockey teams, uh, having good coaches, bad coaches, good teams, bad teams. And I think it's really shaped, uh, how I build teams now, uh, in my professional setting. And, and, uh, from there, I say I'm a little bit industry agnostic in terms of my professional background, but, uh, the common trend is really uh, high growth startups in, in different industries. So started in plastic manufacturing and, and scaled a business there and sold that off uh, and then did some turnaround high growth consulting for a couple years after that. And now uh, kind of accidentally fell into digital marketing and uh, a company that was a subsidiary of a larger company that was uh, kind of struggling and took that over and um over the last three and a half years we've we've grown that uh you know four or five hundred percent and uh keep keep having fun so um yeah it's exciting to be on uh with you to talk more about startups because it's definitely in my blood it sounds like it and i i think you kind of glossed over it I, I from what i remember just looking at notes you actually played hockey at a pretty high level did you yeah yep um, so yeah, I was really fortunate actually, um, in high school, our team, uh, won two high school hockey state tournaments and went to the state tournament all four years, uh, which is a pretty big deal in Minnesota. And then from there I played in the United States hockey league. And then, uh, in college, our team actually, uh, went to the NCAA tournament and, uh, was an all American and all of that. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And, you know, really looking back on it now that it's, it's been a few years, like some of the players, you know, uh, Sidney Crosby was at Chaddock St. Mary's wow. when, at the same time as me. So I probably played against him seven or eight times. Uh, Eric Johnson, who was a number one overall draft pick plays for the Colorado Avalanche was my defensive partner for two years in high school. And, and, you know, the list kind of goes on and on, but um, yeah, definitely had some really, really cool opportunities and, uh, thankful for it. So the only reason I wouldn't believe that is because I don't see enough scars on your face. Your nose doesn't look crooked. You have oh. all your teeth. I mean, <laughs> you're yeah, not the that's... prototypical defender here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a little bit of a, it must be because I blurred out the background because <laughs> there's, there's plenty of, uh, plenty of war wounds, uh, a lot of missing teeth. Uh, we actually, we had our Halloween party at work yesterday and everyone on my team showed up uh, with blacked out teeth because there was a point like a year ago that one of my, one of my caps 
uh, fell off and it had been broke so many times that they had to actually drill the implant like up in my gum. So mm. for six months, I, I didn't have a front tooth and they give you the, the flipper or whatever it's called. And <laughs> after a while you get sick of like spitting everywhere and stuff. So <laughs> that became the running, running joke in the office of toothless Jared. So yeah, there's, there's plenty of, uh, plenty of war wounds. It's the joys of our history that gets us to this point. There you go. So, Hey, talk a little bit about uh, the current company you're working with Parka marketing, how you, how you arrived there and kind of, you said it's been exponential growth in the, in the recent history. Yeah. So um, I actually started at the, the parent company. It was kind of half in chance. Uh, you know, I'd kind of been in the startup uh, private equity world for most of my career and my wife, uh, decided she wanted to go back and get her doctorate. And so I was like, well, I can't work 18 hours a day and you're going to school 20 hours a day. Otherwise that's going to get a little chaotic. So, um, I actually reached out to an executive search firm, which is our, our parent company. Uh, and the, the guy actually, I went to high school with his daughter. So we had an immediate, <laughs> immediate connection and, uh, told him I was looking just for like a CFO, COO type role. And he called me back the next day and said, do you want to work for Versique, our sister company, uh, as their CFO? And so I said, yeah, I mean, why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the things I really wanted to do is I'd always been in kind of manufacturing and home mm-hmm. service, like plumbing, heating, stuff like that. And really wanted an opportunity to be surrounded uh, by a group of, of experts uh, at a high level. And that's, that's really what Versique was. And so I went there about three months in, uh, they had this, uh, subsidiary parka that was kind of our owner's passion was marketing. And so, uh, it, at the time it only had, I think four, four employees and had kind of didn't have an identity was kind of all over the place a little bit. And the guy that, uh, was kind of running that decided he wanted to just go off and do consulting on his own. And so we started having the discussion of, like, do we just shut it down? Like, what's the purpose? Like, it didn't really have a true north. And uh, and then that's when Tony, our, our owner, explained to me that, you know, his passion was to train, teach, and educate other staffing and recruiting firms on how Versique really, uh, you know, became a marketing first organization, sales second. And and I was like, well, at least, at least that kind of makes sense. So let's give it a try. And because I can't keep my hands out of things, uh, you know, I kind of co-ran that uh, for about a year and a half to the point where we got enough scale for me to do that full-time. Mm-hmm. And and so resigned from uh, the sister company and started doing that full-time. And so over the last three and a half years, we, uh, we added a social media team, a content team, a website development team. Um, and then just this last year, we added like automation and tech, like mar- uh, marketing technology division um and it's just kind of been a wild ride to be honest like I look back and we just hired an executive vice president to run uh our delivery team that had about 20 years at one of the largest digital marketing agencies in the Twin Cities uh and she was the COO there I was like holy cow if you would have told me four years ago that we would have attracted someone like that I would have laughed in your face Mm. and and kind of the same on the client side too is like when we first started it was a lot of, you know, one, two, three person, small firms around the country to, 
Uh, fast forward to today, our last few deals have been with some of the largest global staffing uh, companies. So uh, it's kind of been a, a wild ride, but um, the industry as a whole has a lot of opportunity. There's only a couple real competitors and uh, and the industry is probably five to seven years behind <laughs> uh, from a true understanding of, of digital marketing. And so, you know, it was already happening, but with, you know, coronavirus, it's staffing is kind of the consummate sales profession. And so Absolutely. when everyone got locked in their, <laughs> locked in their houses, they uh, finally realized that, you know, they, they needed a digital presence and, uh, you know, needed to scale through automation and technology versus uh, just more boots on the ground. So yeah, it's, it's been, been fun, been crazy. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Like I said, like we kind of started it, to give back based on uh, what our sister company had done and how they'd scaled. And now, uh, now we're working with, you know, billion dollar companies and kind of bringing that back <laughs> to, to our sister company on, on ways that we can, you know, do more. So, right. yeah, it's a, uh, it's a value think, add to the sister company for sure. Not, not yeah. just a, not just a feel good value add, but I mean, there's, it's obviously generating some revenue and I mean, the timing, it was really interesting with, with coronavirus, with kind of the great resignation that's happening because of that. I mean, just the, the fact that, I mean, I've, I'm seeing more job ads now than I've ever seen in my entire life exponentially, you know, yeah. people looking for, for, you know, uh, replacements, new hires because of growth, but are you're specifically in the kind of the HR staffing niche, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. So that's, that's kind of been our, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like defining factor are mm -hmm. uh, when you can go into other staffing recruiting firms and say like, we literally built our sister company as a marketing first company, you know, not really anyone else can say that. So having that differentiator uh, has, you know, allowed us a lot of inroads <laughs> when we can, you know, I, I only have four years, I guess, but like our, our head of sales, uh, actually started when Versique started uh, and now is, is doing sales for us, but she was the marketer that really helped start Versique. And so when she can go in and say she's got 10 years of <laughs> literally working in staffing, internal in marketing, and, and, uh, and then obviously our owners have both been in uh, staffing for 25 years, like it's kind of, you know, kind of cheating the system uh when we go against competitors yeah there's why a lot of they experience. would choose us yeah a lot of experience and that's in that same so tell me so explain to the the lay mind out there that says okay so you got a you got a staffing agency aren't they already good at marketing i mean so what's the what's the the, the problem you're solving for you know staffing agent or recruiting agencies yeah so i'm I mean, the problem we're solving is just essentially like we have a proven process called uh, brand credibility, online visibility, lead generation. And mm -hmm. so like when you talk about lead generation, uh, you know, like I kind of mentioned staffing and recruiting as a whole is known just for hire more people, like get them out in front of clients or candidates. And, and, uh, and that's a lot of overhead, right? I mean, there's... <laughs> paying a lot of a lot of employees a lot of money to you know try to make it in the industry 
uh, or not. And so there's like a lot of, it's notoriously a high turnover industry uh, and all of that. And so we said, well, people started coming to us saying like, well, we need more clients. We need more candidates. And we're like, well, every, like, we're not a, we're not a golden ticket. Like that doesn't exist in the real world. So first you need to build your brand credibility. And, you know, the way I say that is like, you wouldn't go out to a client visit in sweatpants and a sweatshirt. So, you know, in our modern world, if someone's cold calling you or, or whatever, the first thing you do is Google and see who the heck they are. And then you check out their LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever. And so really helping companies, you know, have their brand online match the brand Mm. uh, that they would portray as, you know, if an individual is walking out there. And then online visibility is really around like SEO, uh, creating social content, blogging, videos, all of that kind of stuff. Because, you know, my thing for that is like, if a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it, doesn't make a noise. And Mm -hmm. you can create the best online brand in the world, but if it's no index on Google, no one's going to ever find you. And so we help people get found. And when they take care of those two, then we can really move into like paid advertising and, you know, marketing automation and email marketing, text marketing, all of the things that actually generate uh, new clients and candidates. So really being that outsourced, I call it the outsourced CMO model, but you know, we're actually executing, we're not just providing the strategy and, and uh, the industry is just so far behind. Like you would think, you know, even some of the hundred, 500 million billion dollar companies might have one marketer on their team. And if they're under a hundred million, a lot of them don't even have a marketer right. <laughs> because it's such a sales focused industry. And so, you know, instead of going out and hiring a $120,000 CMO that doesn't want to do organic social media posts or hiring a, a person right out of college at $50,000 that doesn't have any strategic value, you, you know, call on Parka. We have all all the services we have the business strategist and marketing strategists all the way down, you know, to content writers and, and organic, you know, social media designers and stuff like that. So, you know, it's kind of the, it's kind of funny because when people talk about, you know, outsourcing their marketing, you know, sometimes people are like, well, why would we outsource it when we bring it in house? And I'm like, you guys are literally staffing firms like for a living, you are outsourced <laughs> labor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, that, yeah, that's the easy sell on, on that to just reminding them of who their own DNA. But so yeah. as you're, I mean, has, have companies like ZipRecruiter and Indeed and Monster.com, you know, those, those, I guess, sites, have they had a, you know, quite an impact on staffing agencies, on recruiting agencies? Or is it negative? Is it positive? Is it fairly neutral? I mean, what's, what's been their impact? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, mostly positive. I mean, everyone kind of goes through phases. So like indeed for a long time, uh, you know, without getting too technical, like uh, on websites for staffing firms, we build like mini job boards Mm -hmm. Uh, and indeed and like Google and Facebook, like used to scrape those job boards and put the jobs on just for volume. And so over time, like, you know, once indeed got enough volume, then they wanted to monetize it. And so now, what used to be like free is, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Mm. So it's forced, you know, depending on what kind of agency you have, obviously some agencies or, or uh, staffing agencies said like, nope, I'm not like, I don't get enough quality from it. I'm not going to do it. Others, you know, double down on it. And 
And so really what, like from Parker's perspective, uh, what we do for a lot of our clients is programmatic paid advertising on the job boards. And so Mm -hmm. actually, you know, getting their, their key jobs, their hot jobs, um, you know, much like Google paid searches where, you know, the ads are first is, is using programmatic, you know, AI to place jobs on job boards, um, that are getting the best results. So it's not always just signing up with ZipRecruiter, Monster, Indeed. It's it's signing up for the programmatic um, paid advertising right. system that we use to to get the best results uh, for our clients. So yeah, overall, it's it's definitely you know supports our industry. I think if you look uh, on a job search, you'll see you know half of them are actually staffing or recruiting firms that are on there. So. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tool that we leverage. It, it seemed like to me that this is, this is probably an overgeneralization. It seems like to me that, you know, jobs you looked at on those, those places are, are maybe the, the ones that are more difficult to place people in like the very best jobs. It seems like there's a proactive recruiter out there that already has kind of a pool of candidates and they, they have a lot of interest in those jobs. And is that, is that an oversimplification that, the ones you show up are like, well, they're, they're kind of like the second tier jobs or the ones that are harder to place or whatever that you see on these, these kind of major sites. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's so like when I started in staffing and recruiting, I was like, Oh, Robert half. Right. Like, and that's like the only one <laughs> that mm. I knew. And now like after four years of being in it, like almost every week I meet someone, someone new that's doing something different that I never thought of. Like, yesterday we had a guy at our office and uh he was out in portland but they just did staffing for like oil and gas and telecommunications and stuff in alaska and so his whole business was just trying to recruit in alaska which is obviously a whole different animal than like you know a ceo of uh you know local 200 million dollar company and so it's yeah like for some things it works for some things job boards don't work as well and so it's it's very uh like you said it's you probably oversimplified it a little because there's so many right. <laughs> so many different types and ways about going about it and and so I mean that's part of you know what we advise on is because we have so many clients doing different things like we'll say you know uh, a global IT staffing company comes to us that only works with Fortune 100 and like the things that they can do are totally different than a boutique, you know, executive search firm in the Twin Cities. And so trying to, trying to find those common patterns of what works and what doesn't. But um, I would say, like, when you talk about some of the common job boards, I would say it's, it's definitely more the high volume positions, Mm -hmm. like, you know, general laborers, like staff accountants, HR generalists, stuff like that. When you get in, uh, I think what you're trying to say is like, once you get into kind of that director to like, c-suite it usually becomes a very customized process right right we're leveraging our our database at versique of of people we know and and have the common common traits and um, there's obviously linkedin you can kind of proactively seek candidates you know to fill specific roles based on experience but so let's let's talk a little bit just drill down a little bit more um just on parka so What's the, is there an ideal client for Parka, you know, demographic wise, is it, you know, size and maybe industry and 
just what type of specific type of firm is, is kind of the best customer? Yeah, I mean, the, the cop-out answer is people that want to invest in digital marketing to grow their company. And that's what we found, you know, we, we have a, a billion dollar client that was paying us $1,500 a month to write a couple of social posts and, and uh, like a blog a month. And I'm like, you know, uh, like just <laughs> racking my head against the wall. And then you have a $20 million, you know, high growth startup that's paying us $10,000, $15,000 a month to, to really grow that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's the common trend. But um, as far as like, IT versus finance versus, you know, general industrial labor, like we don't really have um, a unique, uh, like, focus on one of those. Um, I think it goes back to, again, like, when you're talking about like high volume manufacturing staffing, you know, we're doing a lot more on like Facebook and Craigslist. If you're talking about an executive search firm, it's, you know, predominantly on LinkedIn. And so, so uh, having enough clients that we can kind of, uh, you know, know what works and what doesn't work for certain industries uh, within staffing recruiting helps. But yeah, I think there's just, I mean, probably like a lot of industries right now, it's just whether it's a great resignation or COVID or whatever, digital transformation was already happening. It just got a booster yeah. shot from <laughs> from this. And so it's really like our goal, I call it like the put the quarter in method is like our goal is not to be the put the quarter in method marketing agency where you know, it's half the price of us, but you're just, you know, doing digital marketing. Like we don't want our clients to just do digital marketing. We don't want them to drive business growth, you know, through their partnership with us. So that would be the ideal, someone that has the budget and the mind frame to, you know, like I, I've said it on almost every podcast, but it's like uh, staffing firms have no problem <laughs> going out and hiring 10 recruiters. If you look at you know, benefits and PTO and turnover and all of that, that's, you know, a million dollars. Like if you put 300 of that into your digital marketing efforts, like I can guarantee you the bang for the buck is going to be greater than, (laughs) than just adding more bodies to it. And so, um, you know, we're seeing more and more, whether they're startup uh, or just bigger companies, like, you know, I was on a call uh, a couple of weeks ago with, uh, it's called Bullhorn, but it's, you know, kind of like, a hub spot of the staffing agency. It's a CRM ATS. Mm-hmm. I think they have like 15,000 clients worldwide, but like the, the advisor from Bullhorn was like 25 to 30% of staffing firms like won't exist in three to five years. Like if, if they don't transform and, and take a digital first approach, like it's just the way the world is like, it's getting too efficient with technology Yep. And, uh, and expectation. You know. <laughs> I mean, even yeah. client expectation. I ex- we expect to, to operate <laughs> online. But so, just to clarify, you are working with the recruiting and staffing agencies. You're not necessarily helping companies hire internal employees. Yeah, that's correct. So, yeah, that it's something I've actually learned a lot about over the last three years. Is there are a lot of marketing companies that only work with corporations to mm-hmm. build out their internal talent acquisition strategies. And then there's that, what we do, the staffing and recruiting. And so, you know, maybe a pipe dream if we ever hit a ceiling, you know, would be to make that natural progression into mm-hmm. that. But with the growth we've had so far, 
you know, it just hasn't been warranted, but yeah, there's definitely a whole nother subset of digital agencies that just focus on, you know, the targets, best buys uh, of the world. I, I think that the danger there would be, you could, you could easily be competing with your own clients. <laughs> I know <laughs> that's the, that is <laughs> it's an internal conflict of interest there potentially for sure. Yeah. You weren't supposed to tell people about that, but yes, that is, <laughs> that is one of the, one of the factors in, in deciding that um, is, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of crossover there. So. Uh, absolutely. Well, maybe if you stay out of the same industries, maybe that that's the, maybe you can kind of avoid that conflict. But yeah, I, I see that kind of dual sided economy there. I mean, for sure. Yeah. But so so talk a little bit about staffing agencies and and maybe their reluctance to to digitize or their reluctance to kind of step into kind of the new normal. Yeah, I wish. I mean, uh, I've probably already said it, but it's just like I say, having not come from staffing and recruiting. Uh, and now being in it, it's just like, it's the consummate sales run industry. Like the people that are running staffing and recruiting firms are usually the best salespeople that get sick of working for someone else. And then mm -hmm. they go start their own. And yep. so even a few weeks ago, we were down at uh, ASA in Denver, American Staffing Association, which is the largest staffing conference in North America. And, you know, we were talking to some of the biggest companies in the world and even they, even they, like their CIO was like the best salesperson that all of a sudden randomly became like chief information officer or the best salesperson at, at this company became, became the CMO or whatever. Right. And it's like, their answer to everything is like more sales, more sales, more sales. Like, <laughs> and, and so I think that's, I mean, that's the underlying like issue, quote unquote, is they, you know, especially people that have been around, even our, our owners to a certain extent, you know, they've been in it for 25 years. And so they go back to what made them successful and how they became the best salesperson and, and how that worked. And, and it's hard. I mean, and that's kind of what you're seeing. I mean, in every industry, but you're seeing a lot of the next generation coming up and starting their own business or getting into senior leadership. And they have a different perspective uh, than maybe the old guard does. And so, I mean, that's really the only, <laughs> the only explanation I have for it is just like, no matter if the company is big or small, like most of their C-suite is sales that got, you know, <laughs> a salesperson that got diverted into yeah. COO or CMO or CIO or CTO. And it's like, they don't necessarily go out and find a great, you know, technology person to be their CTO. And and that's kind of what we're actually like our main, main competitor from the Parka side, uh, like their business model is essentially um, taking other CMOs or, you know, directors of marketing out of other staffing companies and building an agency <laughs> based on having tons of staffing experience. And so we kind of tried to flip the script and say, we have the staffing and recruiting background in our blood, obviously our owners and, and whatnot. We're going to go find some of the best agency talent in mm. mostly Minnesota, but really anywhere and bring them in to help really revolutionize the industry. Because like uh, Toby, who is our director of automation and technology comes from Thomson Reuters, which is I think maybe like a top hundred company yeah. in the world, but he managed like 140 technologies globally uh 
like was the automation coach for all their different divisions. And so he came into staffing and recruiting and the tools available are like 10% of what's, <laughs> what's mm -hmm. available. If you look at Eloqua or Microsoft or Salesforce or whatever. And so he's, you know, we're really working with him and, and our marketing to, to say like, this industry has so far to go, <laughs> like, yeah. come, come follow us because we, we have experts that have worked on, you know, Nestle and Frigidaire and Red Wing Shoes and, you know, some of those big global brands. Right. Right. What are they coming doing? outside the industry that they're bringing expertise yeah. from other, other verticals that, that, you know, <laughs> that may be further ahead technologically, you know, or digitally. Yeah. So it's interesting to, to see that growth. And so I, I want you to kind of, kind of wrap us up today with just, whatever things we haven't necessarily touched on you think would be germane to the conversation here and maybe just tell people when the, where the best place to find parka marketing online yeah so the best place to find parka uh is definitely you know parkamarketing.com uh linkedin is definitely a place that we live uh facebook as well so you can follow me or uh the company on on any of those channels because of our niche like you know most of the time we're at staffing conferences or recruiting conferences across the nation so uh if you're not in that vertical you probably won't uh find me as easily but um yeah as far as leaving with you know uh i know uh you know a lot of what you do kevin is around sports and whatnot and, and we didn't really go down that route necessarily today but i think that's kind of been the cool part of my career and you know whether whether talking to parents who have kids or or kids like the life lessons you learn from you know team sports and mm. you know like I always say I've been on some of the like most high performing teams uh you know in Minnesota over a course of 10-15 years and and sometimes we haven't won championships and then I've been on other teams that were you know supposed to be 500 at best that won championships and I think the common, you know, the common denominator is how the team comes together, how the leaders lead, you know, how the coach really gets the best out of everyone. And, and that's really like what I've taken into my career. I still say, you know, probably 50 to 60% of <laughs> what I use in business is actually what I learned, you know, 10 plus years ago in sports. And Absolutely. obviously I've, I've picked up other lessons in the business world along the way, but um, yeah, like we just, uh, we have a four month old daughter and, you know, my wife and I talk about all the time, like the importance of making sure she's in a team sport and an individual sport and like all the things that come from, you know, those learnings are to me are imperative. Not that she has to go to the WNBA or, you know, Wimbledon or anything like that, but just, just to be part of that, I think, uh, you know, it's something that you really, really can't get back, uh, <laughs> if you don't, don't partake in it. So what a, what a way to wrap up. I, it kind of brought me back to when our, my son was born. I mean, the first thing that I think I put in his crib was a little foam Dallas Cowboys football. So <laughs> I, I, I want to ask you, did you slip a hockey puck in there for her to play with? This, you know, in yeah, the crib? She, yeah, she, I don't know if she's actually held a hockey stick yet, but we definitely had a onslaught of like little baby onesies that had like a future <laughs> hockey star minnesota wild there you like, go. all that stuff so yeah well uh yeah you as you probably know in a lot of the audience like four months is getting to that fun part where she can hold on to things and throw things yeah. and like hold her head up yeah yeah so yeah so hockey won't be far away we actually live 
uh, on a lake. And so, you know, we're probably a month away from it freezing over. So it'll be fun to get her out there, even if it's just on boots or whatever this year to, to uh, learn the game. Experience the wilds of Minnesota. What a, yeah. what, a, what a great plan. What a great plan. Well, Jared, I really appreciate you taking the time today. It's been good to connect with you and, and just to hear your story, hear the story of Parker Marketing and, and just lessons learned outside of outside of that space. But just thank you again for taking time and just playing your part and helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Jared, have a great weekend. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.